True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Alcantara, Soroka, you look so good in Boca. Peralta, Manoa, Mazak, Ferrer, Nola, Gilito, Castillo, Yoshida, Mosusito, Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on April 28th. I am Frank Sample, joined by Scotty Dub, Scott White. Today on the show, we're going to recap Thursday's action. Mitch Keller, is it finally happening? It feels like it's finally happening. Week six sleepers, two-star pitchers, and much more. Before we get started, please like this video and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. If you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five-star rating. We really do appreciate it. And Speaking of appreciation, thank you to everyone watching us live. This is by far our latest start of the season. That daggone technology is kind of throwing us off, but we are here. Mm. I know it's NFL draft night, but you know what? We're still going live and we're still breaking down all the action. How's it going, Scotty? Well, you're blaming the technology tonight, but I got to say it's better than the last two Thursday nights. <laughs> you, you, you may, Knock on you wood. may notice it's, it's my first Friday <laughs> show since like week two of the season because my internet kept crashing on Thursday nights. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's, a little, it's a little iffy right now. So I don't know what it is about Thursdays. I don't know. Don't even, don't even speak it into existence, Scotty. Me. <laughs> not- oh, that's not a CVS thing, I don't think. I probably shouldn't say that. Anyway. I'm here. Let's do it. You are here, and let's do it. Oh, my good, goodness gracious. Atta girl, Susan. Scott, we'll start with you. Actually, we did not talk about this one bit before we started, but here we are. Oh, my goodness gracious. Your player of the night. 
<laughs> we didn't talk about it. Did we? <laughs> Way to put me on the spot, Frank. I can go first if you'd like. Uh, I'm going to go with Brandon Drury. All right. That's who I wrote down for myself, but I'll take Mitch <laughs> Keller then. <laughs> okay. Brandon Drury. See, I, I am... I am off put by what Brandon Drury is doing right now because uh, I, I mentioned, well, I, was, I wasn't here because my internet was now out. But last time, <laughs> last week, I'm sure you guys mentioned, you and Chris Towers mentioned that uh, the Angels were among my favorite matchups for the week we're living through now. And I came very close to putting Brandon Drury as one of the top sleeper hitters because of that. But I was like, nah, I mean, he's done nothing all year. Like, what are the odds? This is the week he picks it up just because they have good matchups. And it's always, it's always that dilemma when I'm putting together that sleeper hitter list is how much do you weigh recent performance versus matchups? Uh, historically, I have to say, when I've gone with just the hot bat, regardless of the matchups, it hasn't worked out as well. But it's it's taking that to another level to 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 say this guy who's done literally nothing all year this is the week he's going to to turn it on. But it's it's clearly happened for Brandon Drury, who had another huge game here uh, on on Thursday night. Uh, let me find the numbers exactly. Okay, so his last four games now with his performance here. Well, give me the numbers for the performance Thursday, Frank. So he went two for two with two walks and his fifth home run of the season. There you go. Last four games, nine for 15, four home runs, two doubles. And there's certainly nothing wrong with the way he's impacting the ball. I mean, his his max exit velocity is is certainly that of a slugger. And, and max exit velocity is more important for, than average exit velocity for uh, for determining, you know, just are, are you like a true power hitter? Uh, 75th percentile is Brandon Drury's max exit velocity this year. And, uh, you know, we obviously had a lot of questions about his power output uh, given that his breakthrough season came in Cincinnati, the easiest place to hit home runs. And after he was traded to the Padres at the, the deadline, his, his numbers were not nearly as good. His road numbers all of last year, not so great. So there was a lot of skepticism coming in. Combine that with the cold start. Got dropped in a lot of leagues, I'm sure. But he's still eligible second, third, first. Very favorable eligibility. He's playing basically every day for the Angels in an ideal spot for driving in runs with a lot of high OBP guys like Trout and Rendon and Otani and Taylor Ward. Not off to a great start, but in theory, he's another high OBP guy. All of those batting in front of Drury. I I think there's reason to hope still, and, and certainly the way he's performed recently would suggest that he's going to be a useful player, at least in Roto Leagues, where you have all those extra lineup spots to fill. And the, and the fact you can move them around so much, very helpful. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think I've dropped him myself in any of the leagues where I drafted him. Obviously, they were only Roto Leagues. I wouldn't bother with him in a, a league where only nine hitters are started. But, uh, yeah, I, I think... I think it's easy to say now, but it's premature to give up on Drury. And if you've already given up on Drury, then you should probably try to get him back. So Drury is 58% rostered. And based on your breakdown, Scott, that probably accounts for all of the category leagues on CBS and maybe even a little bit more. So yeah, I don't, I don't know that his roster rate needs to be that much higher. Uh, Do you know what his last four games all have in common, Scott? 
Against the A's? That's right. Can the pitchers he's faced, Ken Waldachuk, Mason Miller, Luis Medina, and J.P. Sears. So obviously some favorable matchups, and, and that's something that you talked about. So I don't want to completely poo-poo it, but obviously he has had some favorable you know matchups recently going up against the mm-hmm. Oakland A's. Sure. The strikeout rate on the season is still 31%. So again, from a points league perspective, you're, you're losing fantasy points for all those strikeouts. Um, if it continues... I, I will point out that strikeouts have not been a major issue for Drury. Like even before last year, even before he was good, he was more like a 20 to 25% strikeout rate guy. So, you know, the, the way I'm reading that very high strikeout rate for him is he was just terrible. Like for the first, what, <laughs> four weeks of the season is yeah. just terrible. And everything he was doing was terrible. And, you know, over small sample sizes like that, it can happen. And I'm not saying he's not, like I'm not saying he's totally like great now and and we never have to worry about him again. Uh, but I'm saying I'm saying you well, I'm I'm saying it was too small of a sample to judge him on, especially given that he he does have great utility uh, both because of the multi-eligibility and because he provides power numbers that are hard to find from someone rostered in that range. Fair enough. Let's compare him to a few other uh, players that could be available in your leagues. Isak Paredes, to me, is very similar to Brandon Drury. He's got first, second, and third base eligibility, 57% rostered. So, Scott, if you're debating between those two names, uh, Paredes went two for five with a double and five RBI on Thursday. Who would you rather have? Big game. I'd rather have Drury, and I think you can trust it. I Paredes has played more than I thought has played so far for the for the Rays but you know just given the way the Rays operate I would expect Drury to play more than Paredes all right some of the most added hitters on CBS right now Harold Ramirez would you rather have Drury or Harold Ramirez Ramirez how about Drury or you know who Scott Connor Joe baby that's right (laughs) homered on Thursday the guy homers every Thursday because he knows that it's a Kokomo yeah. Friday coming Maybe up. he's I, taking my internet out. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I am not buying the Connor Joassance. Oh, I'm not buying it. Come on, like, Scott. The biggest, the biggest point in Connor Joe's favor, when we all liked him heading into last, well, some of us, Chris Towers didn't, and he was right. But the biggest point in his favor when we liked him last year was he played in Colorado. He's also a big deal. He's like, also a stud. Come on, Scott. He's not a stud. <laughs> he's, he, he, he did have a solid minor league career, but doesn't impact the ball especially hard. Uh, you know, has a patient approach, which I like. And like, I'm not buying the Pirates lineup in general. That's part of it, too. Like, I, I we, Mm-mm. people are so good at buying into the thing they're seeing right now. Like, they lose all perspective. And I'm not saying everybody's like that, but just people in general are like that, and everybody's with the Pirates like right now, like, eh, I don't know, maybe they're good, maybe they're actually, they're not good, come on. And I don't think Connor <laughs> Joe is good either. And I, I'm not saying you can't use him as a hot hand play, though I don't think, other, other than the home run tonight, I don't think he's had a particularly good week. Um, no, so he I'm not even sure he's. I'm not even sure he's the hot hand play anymore. But no. certainly not buying him in a rest-of-season context. Yeah, so Connor Joe was hitless in his previous three games before this one. 
The plate discipline, which you pointed out, has been very good this year. 10% walk rate, 23% strikeout rate. And he is hitting the ball hard. 91.4 average exit velocity for Connor, Connor Joe. Lots of line drives. He's been hitting in the middle of that order as well. It's close between those two. I mean, I, I think I prefer Connor Joe, but I, I wouldn't blame someone if they, if they wanted Brandon Jury. The one thing I'll point out about the Pirates, Scott, is every year there's at least one or two teams that just surprise us. Like a couple of years ago, the Giants coming out and winning whatever it was, 105, 107 games. I don't think the Pirates are going to do that, but... So far this season, they are tied for seventh in both hits and runs scored. And you know, they're they've kind of got a thing going on right now, like pulling out the sword when they're in the dugout. Like they've they've got a fun vibe like, going on. I don't know how long it's gonna last, but uh they are kind of like that surprise team. I yeah. Guess say. I mean, if you had told somebody three weeks ago, hey, you think the Giants can you think the Pirates could do what the Giants did two years ago? <laughs> they would have been like the Pirates. That's one of the worst run organizations in baseball. To be fair, I don't think the Pirates are going to win 105 games or whatever it was. It's just uh, they've got some young players coming. If they keep this up, maybe they start to push some of those guys like Andy Rodriguez and Henry Davis and Nick Gonzalez. And, you know, maybe they make some noise for like a wild card spot that at this point, that would not surprise me, at least for the Pittsburgh Pirates. More on. Uh, a few of their hitters in just a little bit. I want to talk about one of their pitchers, and that is Mitch Keller, who, uh, once again, looks like he is breaking out. He makes it five straight quality starts. This one up against the Dodgers. Worth noting, let's put it in perspective. I like that word that you brought up, Scott. Perspective. The Dodgers lineup is not the Dodgers lineup right now. They don't have Max Muncie. Mookie Betts is cold right now. So, you know, they're, they're not at full strength. Let's keep that in mind. But... This was still a fantastic start for Mitch Keller. Six innings, two runs, 10 strikeouts to just one walk. 15 swinging strikes on 97 pitches. Five of those on the fastball, five on the cutter, three on the sinker, two on the sweeper. The guy just had everything working. And this new cutter appears to be a game changer for Mitch Keller. He's you know, throwing it up over 20% of the time this year. And you just look at the overall numbers, Scott. 3.53 ERA, 1.21 whip, over a strikeout per inning, 10K per nine right now. And the underlying numbers, 3.65 fit, 3.74 xFIP. And he allowed some hard contact in this start. But up until now, he has done a really, really good job limiting hard contact. He's 74% rostered, Mitch Keller. He could be out there in some shallower leagues. I think that number at this point, Scott, needs to be closer to 100%. I think it's a must-roster Mitch Keller at this point. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I'd argue against that too strongly. Um, I don't. Like, I, I think Mitch Keller has a chance to be part of this year's Mount Rushmore, whatever, <laughs> wh- however that manifests. Like, he could be one of those. I, I understand, okay, his K rate right now looks pretty good coming off this start. Um, he entered this year, or I'm sorry, he entered this start with a 9.7% swinging strike rate, which is really bad. Uh, he's mainly excelled by uh, limiting quality contact by inducing weak contact. And I think for good reason, I think there might be some legitimacy to that because he has added so many pitches and he's not, and he mixes it up start to start, which ones he leans on more than others. And so I think like, I I think he's, he's, uh, he's turned himself into an interesting sort of pitcher who just keeps hitters guessing and, keeps them from squaring up the ball because he gives them so many different looks. So I don't think there's a huge 
like a, an especially high ceiling here. And if the Pirates lineup falls off the way I expect it to, oh, Mitch Keller might continue to pitch well and, and struggle to win at the same rate he has so far. What he's three and zero now after six starts, pretty good win rate. Um, so I I think like yes, he needs to be roster now with the way he's performing. I, I certainly uh, don't have any objections to starting him in fantasy. I believe his matchup next week is a really good one. Let me double check that. It's the end. Uh, no, it's not a really good one. It is either the Rays or the Blue Jays. I don't have any objections to using Mitch Keller, but I do think I do think you could make the case for him being a sell high too. I expect the strikeout rate to fall. I expect him to have a harder time winning games. The ERA could be pretty good. He could be like uh, Merrill Kelly. And I'm not just saying that. I'm not just making that comparison because their names are easy to confuse. <laughs> so uh, Mitch Keller is at Tampa Bay next week. So that is a tough matchup. Not sure I'd want to use him there. I did a big rankings update on Thursday, Scott, and I moved Mitch Keller inside of my top 60 starting pitchers up to 59. So that would be just ahead of Graham Ashcraft, Patrick Sandoval, Alex Cobb, and an interesting name is Andrew Heaney, who also pitched on Thursday. Six innings, three runs, six strikeouts up against the Yankees. He had 12 swinging strikes on 97 pitches. He's 72% rostered going up against the Diamondbacks next week. And in shallower leagues, some people might have to make that decision, Scott. Um, looking at your rankings, you have Mitch Keller two spots behind Heaney, but you know maybe you did that the other day before this starts. So who would you rather have, Keller or Heaney? No, I think I'd rather have Heaney. I think the biggest advantage Keller has over Heaney is uh, like durability, uh, m- m- in, both in the sense that he's more likely to stay healthy and he's likelier to pitch deep into games, and that's important. But I mean, Heaney's been really good since that awful first start. He's had four straight really strong outings, and what he did against the Yankees here on Thursday. He didn't even use his best pitch, his slider, that much. He threw 30% change-ups. That's twice as often as he... I don't, I don't know why he wasn't throwing the slider as much. Maybe it had to do with the makeup of the Yankees lineup. I don't know. But Heaney's been really solid. I think he has a better supporting cast. Time will eventually show. And uh, th- now I'm kind of second-guessing myself because I do think Mitch Keller, like you say, Frank, needs to be rostered. Does Heaney need to be rostered in 100% of leagues? I think you could get away with not rostering him right now a little easier. For, we're talking yeah. really shallow league. Right. Uh, just because Keller has, uh, I think, been more obviously good. But in the long run, I think Heaney's going to be better. Yeah, I would take Mitch Keller. And I think the reason Heaney might have not used a slider as much on Thursday, entering that start, it had a 417 batting average against and an 833 slugging percentage. That's why... I, just, I don't know how much of that came in that first start. I, I, yeah. It's like his best swing and miss pitch. Yes, and it has been this season, but it hasn't been as good as last year when he was with the Dodgers, and obviously yeah. they worked some kind of devil magic on Andrew Heaney last year. <laughs> but uh, the fastball velocity is down this year, and it's performing really well. I just don't really trust it. I, I don't really trust how Heaney is getting it done right now. He, he has been very good, but um, I still like him. I just don't like him as much as Mitch Keller, so... Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to continue to rank him behind Keller for now. Let's get back to the Pirates. I had another hitter I wanted to bring up. Someone that I have not shown another enough love so far in this podcast is Jack Sawinski, who 
went one for four with an RBI in his fourth stolen base of the season on Thursday. Not a crazy game or anything, but he's been hot recently. His last 11 games, he's gone 12 for 31, a 387 batting average during that time, four homers, four doubles, nine walks to seven strikeouts, and four stolen bases for Jack Sawinski. He's putting the ball in the air. He's hitting it really hard, 93 mile per hour average exit velocity. That was a 23% barrel rate entering Thursday's action. 35% rostered, Scott. I feel like we need to talk about Jack Sawinski more. What do you think about him? Well, I hadn't thought much about him, to be honest. He didn't show a lot as a rookie. I mean, a, a good home run pace, but he was never really worth starting in fantasy. A uh, platoon player who struck out way too much. And uh, and uh, I, I just kind of thought, I just kind of thought that's who he was. But now I'm taking a closer look here. You know, he's walking at like a 20% rate this year. Yeah. He, he has. I've heard them talk about on the broadcast. He's changed his approach this season, too. I, I think he's changed his batting stance, and so far it's working out. It has. And, and I mean, the fact he's running so much, too. He's up to four stolen bases. He's legitimately fast, 89th percentile sprint speed. Obviously, mm. that's more likely to translate in the current environment with all the rule changes. Um, let me see how much he's been playing against lefties if his playing time is still going to be limited. So he started against the last lefty they faced, mostly sat against lefties this year. If he continues to perform, I mean, they're going to have to play him more and more. I agree. I need to I need to start giving him a little more attention too. Doesn't mean just because he's done all this up to this point that he'll continue to do it. But the data is very encouraging and the habits the new habits he seems to have developed both in terms of the plate discipline and the base running are also very encouraging. And during that rankings update that I did on Thursday, uh, I moved Jack Swinski inside my top 60 outfielders. I have this little tier, a trio of Brandon Marsh, Jaron Duran, and Jack Sawinski, who they're all just pretty interesting, and I like what they're doing so far. Duran striking out a little bit too much. The strikeouts have jumped up for Brandon Marsh as well, but with those two at least, Marsh and Duran, they had some prospect pedigree, and they're kind of post-hype guys, and they're part of lineups that are... You know, supposed to be exciting with the Phillies and with the Red Sox are actually exciting so far. And so I, I like that group. I, I like all three of those guys. And I think in, in five outfielder leagues, they absolutely need to be rostered right now. So, uh, yeah, showing some love to uh, to Jack Sawinski. A few other names here. Uh, Brent Rooker, Scott, one for five with his seventh home run. And he is also doing some interesting things. 12 walks to 13 strikeouts so far. Also putting the ball in the air. Also hitting it hard. He's 42% rostered. Let me ask you, would you take Brent Rooker over... Any of those three names I just mentioned, Marsh, Duran, and Jack Swinski? I think I'd take him over Duran. I know Duran's your favorite of that group, probably, I, right? I like him. <laughs> I picked him up in the Skyway Dynasty League, so I'm like, I know, I'm rooting I hard. I'm rooting hard for I Jared saw that Duran. the other day. I'm like, oh, this is why Frank likes him. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's hard to bet on the 28-year-old who's getting the first real chance and has had huge strikeout issues in the past, but the power, like... There's no questioning the power with Rooker. I mean, I remember when the Twins drafted him and uh, how much, uh, like how much that was his calling card, and obviously he, he delivered on it in the minors. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about Rooker. I don't know. I may have just talked myself into Sawinski over him. Yeah. But otherwise, I think Rooker's my who was who was the fourth outfielder we were considering. Brandon Marsh. 
Yeah, I mean, his strikeout rate has been a lot better so far. I, I think yeah, it's... Yeah, I don't know. That's I, that's a really interesting group. I think Duran is my least favorite. I think Rooker... Like, Rooker is, of the other three, the least likely to last. Like, the least likely to keep getting chances. Correct. As long as he's hot, obviously, the A's are going to keep playing him. But there's a reason he's not getting a chance. He hasn't gotten a real chance in the majors till age 28. So, uh, you could... I, I think... I think the upside is pretty evident with Brent Rooker, and I, I think he's worth taking seriously right now. But you have to understand what kind of asset this is, and that it's one that can go belly up very quickly. Yeah, I think it's purely a, more of a deeper league play. Look, if you play in a 12-team league and you need power, then yes, I think Brent Rooker makes some sense for you. If you play in a deeper points league, again, the, the plate discipline is there, and he's hitting home runs. Uh, I think he's interesting. He's going to play because o- the Oakland A's just don't have much talent. But I, I would rank him behind those other three, the the, the Marsh, Duran, and Sawinski group for me. Let's take our first break, and when we get back, a few more waiver wire hitters. I've got some pitchers I want to talk about as well. We'll do that right after this. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back. And how should you feel about your team's latest draft picks in the NFL draft? The With the First... With the First Pick podcast is your source for comprehensive draft coverage and pick breakdowns with CBS Sports draft expert Ryan Wilson and longtime general manager Rick Spielman. Ryan and Rick will recap each day of the draft, dishing out winners and losers from all seven rounds. And the draft chatter doesn't stop on Saturday. Stay tuned to the show for team-by-team draft grades and an early look at who your team could be eyeing next year. Download and follow the With the First Pick podcast wherever you find this one. And I, I can recommend it myself because I've listened to that podcast leading up to the NFL draft. The first round was here on Thursday night. Um, don't really know much about the guy that my Jets, uh, the Jets drafted, but Scott Falcons drafted a running back, B. John Robinson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they they drafted a player who's going to be of great interest in fantasy. It seems like, uh, probably. I mean, conventional wisdom would say that being the first team to draft a running back in a real life sense probably isn't probably isn't anything to to feel good about. Yeah. I had my CBS Sports uh, app draft tracker up, and I think they gave them they gave the Falcons a C for that pick, Scott. So uh, okay, I do apologize. Could be worse. <laughs> I mean, somebody has to take the first running back, right? Uh, it's true. It is true. Uh, anyway, yeah. If you want some draft coverage, the with the first pick podcast, that is where you can find it. Uh, Brett Beatty had his first real breakout game this season. Scott three for three with a walk and his first home run of the season. He's batting 321. Strikeouts are a little bit high. The ground ball rate is a little bit high. He's 72% rostered, so likely only out there in shallower leagues. He's got seven games next week, three lefties on the schedule, and he has not been playing against lefties, so don't really love that. Uh, someone in the YouTube chat earlier, Scott, was asking Brett Beatty or hold on to Jordan Walker. What do you think about that? It's an interesting dilemma. 
Yeah. I, I think I think Brett first of all, I think Brett Beatty's seventy two percent roster rate is pretty much spot on. Like in those shallower leagues, you you can't afford to invest a bench spot on a guy. Uh, you know, particularly thinking like a head-to-head points context where you want to maximize two start options. You can't you can't afford to invest a roster spot in a guy who you like it may be usable at some theoretical point in the future, but we have no idea when. The way the way the Mets are using Beatty now, he's he's clearly not usable. And so I don't think he has a big advantage over Walker just because he happens to be in the majors. Like whenever Walker comes back, and I didn't I wasn't on yesterday's show, I didn't get have a chance to give my Walker take. Uh I suspect I suspect it'll be a fairly short stay in the minors. I just released um, my latest prospects report, you know, on the same day the news of, of Walker being demoted. So he qualified for the prospects report again. And I had him as the top prospect stash still. So if any prospect is worth stashing in your league, Walker is number one. I had him even ahead of Taj Bradley. So I, I, uh, I, I'm still pretty optimistic in, in Jordan Walker's chances of making a significant fantasy contribution this year. I try to hold on to him wherever I could. And getting back to your original question, yeah, I do think he's probably worth rostering over Beatty, given that Beatty is not in a position to be used extensively in fantasy right now himself. Anything here with these two hitters, Scott? C.J. Abrams went one for four with a grand slam, his second home run of the season. He's batting 222, only has three steals just uh, thus far, a 675 OPS. And Jake Berger went two for three with a walk and his sixth home run. He's hitting the ball hard. He's putting it in the air. He's doing exactly what you want from a power hitter. Uh, we don't know when Yoan Moncada is going to be back, so I guess for the time being, Jake Berger does have some value. Any interest in those two, Abrams and Berger? Or, well, I was going to say more in Berger, but I don't know that that's necessarily true. I think Moncada's, is he on a rehab assignment yet? I, uh, when he went down, it didn't seem like it was going to be a long-term injury. There was a uh, report on Thursday that he is dealing with a disc issue in his back and will not be ready for a rehab assignment this week. Okay, so he's kind of injuries on top of injuries now. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, okay, well, if Berger, if Berger has some runway here, then I think he's the way to go. 100th percentile in max exit velocity. Yeah. And nobody nobody hits the ball harder than Berger. <laughs> okay? And uh, has there been a day yet where Berger and Colas have bat, batted back-to-back? Because I was looking forward to that and just kind of just went by the wayside. It seems likely. Yeah. Oscar Colas, by the way, real slow start to the season. No. I mean, I think at this point, I'd rather have Burger, Burger than Colas. All right, so Oscar Colas batted eighth on Thursday. Let's see where Jake Burger batted. Probably close to it. Sixth. Ah, we're off by one, Scotty. And I've always wanted Burger to get a chance because he hits the ball so hard, because I think the power is legitimate. Of course, you know, guy striking out 30% of the time, you have to... <laughs> you can't... You can't have a ton of faith in that guy, no matter who he is. But the way to overcome that is by impacting the ball, uh, like Berger's been doing, and so far it's worked out. I, you know, getting getting back to other recent waiver wire pickups at third base. I know he slowed down, but I'd still prefer like JD Davis over Berger, uh, who are some of the other examples. I mean, Drury has third base eligibility. We were yeah, just talking about. I, I'd, I, yeah, I'd rather have Drury than Berger. I think, but. You know, some hesitation there. 
let's see. Uh, Patrick Wisdom is already rostered too much now. Yeah, 91%, I think. Uh, Rodolfo Castro is close nah. to the top of the most added list. Give me Burger. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Spencer Steer, that one's probably close. That one's interesting. I think I'd rather have Steer. I think so, too. I trust more of the long-term playing time this season. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, C.J. Abrams, I'm looking into his numbers right now. He is walking a little bit more this year. He's not hitting as many ground balls. But the average exit velocity, 85.6 miles per hour. I mean, that's just yeah. not going to get it done. He's chasing pitches at, at an alarming rate once again. Basically identical to last year. A 43% chase rate. League average is around 30%. So really, really aggressive. Um, I, I'm not completely yep. writing him off from like a Dynasty League perspective, but the signs are not that I, encouraging. Yeah, I kind of think he just got called up too early. Yeah. Because... Look, power probably was never going to be his game, but he he was he had close to eighty grade tools. Let's say seventy grade tools for both hit and speed. And he just hasn't delivered much on either yeah. since reaching the majors. Still only twenty two though. Yeah, still eighty third percentile in sprint speed too. So very fast. Um, hey, he's got two home runs in a month, right? Like at that pace, that's twelve home runs. If he gives you twelve homers and winds up with. I don't know, 20 steals. That's like a solid season, but I think you're, you're probably, you probably want more of like a 12 homer, 30 steal season out of CJ Abrams, right? Like that, that would be like his, well, his optimal. Depends line. what the batting average is ultimately. Yeah. I mean, right now it's what, 220. So yeah, it's pretty bad. Let's talk about a few pitchers that could be available. We already talked about uh, Mitch Keller and Andrew Heaney earlier on. The other three names that could be out there Matt Strom, another strong start up against the, Mariners, five and a third shutout with five strikeouts to zero walks. Only five swinging strikes on 60 pitches. I'm not really sure how he's doing it. Like, he has changed up the pitch mix this year, Matt Strom. He's throwing a new slider 20% of the time, and he has ditched the changeup, which he's used in years past. But uh, it just doesn't really add up to how good the numbers are for Matt Strom so far. Hayden Wesneski went five innings, one run, three strikeouts up against the Padres. But... All the underlying numbers in this one are pretty underwhelming. And then Joey Lucchese, he was all right. Up against the Nationals, five and a third, three runs, three strikeouts for him. Looks like he is on pace for two starts next week. Scott, you could correct me if I'm wrong on Joey Lucchese, but any interest in those three? Strom, Wesneski, Lucchese. Yeah, the Mets rotation situation is kind of a mess right now because uh, Scherzer and Verlander are probably going to be back this week. Yeah. It's... It, Scherzer's eligible to return from his suspension Monday, so I presume he's starting that day, which would bump Senga back to Tuesday, which would make Lucchese just a, a one-start option. But it may actually be a zero-start option because Verlander's supposed to come back Wednesday, and I think Lucchese would most likely be the one removed once Scherzer and Verlander are both back. Uh, so probably not so worth getting into him. Strom, yeah, I mean, I have had trouble really buying into him either. Uh, you know, the, the one of these things is not like the other start was the last one against the Rockies where he struck out 11 and had a high swinging strike rate for for the year. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, he, he he's he's managed to keep runs off the board. Uh, the strikeouts have been fine. 
apart from that start, I mean, obviously the strikeout rate for the year looks great because he had 11 strikeouts in five and a third innings in one start. But yeah, I don't, I don't know that I totally buy into him either. He's only gone more than 67 pitches once this season as well. Yeah, I mean, he spent so much of his career as a reliever, and maybe you do occasionally see a guy who goes from relieving to starting and actually gets better because he's able to use parts of his arsenal that he didn't get a chance to use in relief. And, and you mentioned what a slider. Maybe maybe that's what we're seeing with Strom. Yep. But I'm a skeptic for now. Uh, yeah, Wesneski. Look, I don't, I don't see a lot of reason to. If, if you already jump ship on Wesneski, I don't see a lot of reason to jump back aboard. I do have him as one of my sleeper pitchers for this week because he does have two good matchups for the upcoming scoring period: Miami and Washington. Great matchups. Yeah, really good matchups. But we're we're also, and I've noticed with, with both the sleeper pitchers and hitters this week, which we'll get to soon. I think we're. I think we're at a point in the season where the roster rates are beginning to normalize a bit. And it's it's like really going into the week, there's only going to be three sleeper hitters and pitchers I feel good about, but I have to come up with 10. So like, am I going to be the one picking up Wesneski for that two-star week? Probably not, but here you go. He's one of my 10. All right, let's hit some news and notes. Aaron Judge was removed Thursday due to right hip discomfort. And originally you thought maybe it was related to that slide that he had on Wednesday where he jammed both of his hands into the dirt, but that that doesn't seem to be the case. It's a right hip issue, and hopefully we learn more over the weekend. Justin Verlander will make a minor league rehab start on Friday at AA. And the most recent report before this, they said he only needs one rehab start to return, and you were just talking about that, Scott, so... Perhaps we see Justin Verlander make his Mets debut next week. Tyler Malley left his start due to right posterior elbow soreness. His fastball velocity dipped in his final inning of work, and all of a sudden, the Twins are starting to take some hits to their rotation. Kenta Maeda sounds like he's going to land on the IL. So in deeper leagues, Bailey Ober, he's long mm-hmm. had some upside, Scott. And look, if Tyler Malley has to miss some time, maybe we get Simeon Wood- Woods-Richardson as well, who has had some prospect pedigree in the past. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about Ober. I have him in some deeper leagues. I've just held on to him since the beginning of the year. I think he can I think he can be a whip specialist and come close to a strikeout per inning. He's you know, I've there were reports this spring that his velocity was up. It didn't appear to be so in the one spot start he made for the twins. And also, you know, part of what I liked about him coming in was he was an extreme fly ball pitcher in what seemed like an environment that would especially benefit those. And and now I'm less confident that the environment benefits those. But even so, I mean, just the little we've seen of Ober in the majors so far, he's looked pretty good. Not saying you need to like, you know, get rid of Taj Bradley for him or anything, but <laughs> if, if you play in a deeper scenario than that, then you might, you might give him a look. Liam Hendricks will have a checkup in Chicago next week with the hope that he will be cleared to begin a rehab assignment soon. That would be awesome for fantasy purposes. I think he's 69% rostered, so still could be out there in some shallower leagues. That is Liam Hendricks. Rysel Iglesias began a rehab assignment at AAA on Thursday. Perfect timing because A.J. Minter got destroyed once again on mm-hmm. Thursday. Kent Maeda likely headed to the IL due to right arm fatigue and the MRI results on his right elbow showed no structural damage, but 
I'm sure the Twins just want to play it safe at this point. Will Myers was placed on the IL retroactive to April 26th with an undisclosed illness, which brings me to a very sneaky prospect stash right now, Scott. Christian mm-hmm. Encarnacion Strand, who we spoke about a lot during spring training because he was amazing. He went off during spring training. He had a monster game here on Thursday at AAA, went five for six with two home runs, six RBI. Will Myers is on the IL. Joey Votto coming back from shoulder surgery is he had to be taken off his rehab assignment because he's just not ready yet. Like still dealing with effects of, you know, coming back from that surgery. Christian Encarnacion Trend is 19% rostered. If you're looking for like outside of Jordan Walker and Matt Mervis, like the next hitter to stash, I think it's probably him. I mean, I guess we shouldn't be surprised if he comes up tomorrow, given that he was pick him up. <laughs> Like I, he wasn't among my top five prospects to stash uh, in that prospects report I referred to earlier because you know he was just coming back from injury. I didn't expect him to go five for six with two home runs, <laughs> right. but it's just a continuation of what he was doing in spring training, as you mentioned. Uh, as you mentioned, Frank, this spring Christian Encarnacion Strand went fifteen for twenty six, five seventy seven batting average, four home runs, four home runs and twenty six at bats. Struck out twice while doing that. Um, and he put up huge power numbers in the minors between the Twins and Red systems as well. He wasn't... The, the, the strikeout rate was a little worse than that. I don't know if that's something he can sustain, but uh, he was looking... He was looking amazing. And if he does get called up, I think he's going to be in a pretty interesting pickup in all but the shallowest of leagues, beginning with third base eligibility, even though he would be playing first base. Mm-hmm. Uh, J.D. Martinez has missed three straight due to lower back tightness. He hasn't been able to swing a bat in the last few days, so not great news for him. Logan T. Allen of the Guardians is scheduled to make another start this Sunday against the Red Sox. Carlos Carrasco threw a successful bullpen session on Thursday. He's on the I.L. with pain caused by a small bone chip in his right elbow. Taiwan Walker could make his next scheduled start after an encouraging visit with the Phillies medical staff. Andrew Painter has advanced to playing catch from 90 feet. The Phillies are clearly playing it cautiously as Painter rehabs the UCL sprain in his elbow. Last but not least, Tarek Skubal is scheduled to throw a bullpen session on Friday. It will be his first mound work since he underwent left flexor tendon surgery last August, and he could be back around June. That's the latest report. It's got any interest in stashing Tarek Skubal. He's 17% rostered. Not a lot. I mean, if you have an IL spot to play with, it doesn't hurt to put him in there. But it was pretty unreliable even before he got hurt. It was showing some signs of maybe turning into a fantasy asset, but wasn't fully baked yet. And uh, it's just not a high priority to stash him. All right, let's take our final break, and when we return, we'll get you ready for week six here on Fantasy Baseball Today. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? (laughs) Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop, make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil, the final season. Streaming May 23rd, only on Paramount Plus. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount Plus. 
Who will bring you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Let's get into week six, and we'll start off with the schedule. Six teams have seven games next week. The Blue Jays, the Nationals, the Braves, the Red Sox, the Cubs, and the Mets. 22 teams have six games, and then two unlucky teams have five games next week. The Diamondbacks and the Rangers. Fringe two-star pitchers for next week. What do we do, Scott? Starter, sit these names. And I guess, based on what you were saying earlier, would Kodai Singa still have two stars next week if Scherzer returns on Monday? Uh, because the Mets have seven games. Ah, uh, yes. He probably should. I, I think Singa would go Tuesday and Sunday. I think so. Okay, so what do you think? At the Tigers and versus the Rockies? I mean, that's a really good matchup, so I think yes. Yeah. It's a... He's been so frustrating, man. The control, three-plus walks in each start this season. I think exactly four starts and exactly four walks and three straight. So the control has been an issue. But if you can't start Kodai Senga in, in those, against those two matchups, then, man, he's, yeah. he's probably not worth rostering. So I think I agree with you. Tony Gonsolin made his debut on Wednesday. He threw 65 pitches in his return. He's going up against the Phillies and at the Padres. I missed the name. Who was that? Tony Gonsolin. Gonsolin. Uh so I have him I have him in the points league only part and I'm not sure that I'm not sure that's the fairest designation for him but that's what I've named that tier. I lean no, I guess is the simplest way to put it on Gonsolin. I just want to see him work deeper into games. Those are kind of tough matchups. In in a pinch I'd do it. I don't think it's the scariest thing, but I lean no. All right, what about Taiwan Walker at the Dodgers and home versus the Red Sox? I'm going to say no to him, especially since he came out of his last start with an injury. And, you know, they, they, they say he could make his next start. It's not a guarantee he will. Cal Quantrill at the Yankees and home against the Twins. Mm, I don't think so. Good old Blake Snell going up against the Reds and the Dodgers, both at home next week. Yeah, I can't do that. I'm... Like, if you think walks are a problem for Senga, <laughs> Snell's even worse. That is By the true. way, I just have to point out. Uh-oh. Remember all the grief we got on opening day? How could you guys have called Dylan Cease a bust this uh. year? What a bunch of idiots. Yeah. Dylan Cease has not looked good since that opening day starts. And after this latest one, uh, seven, six earned runs on nine hits and four innings against the Rays. His ERA is up to 415. His whip is up to 138. Since walking zero in that opener, Dylan Cease has 15 walks and 24 innings. That's that's what made me think of it because we were talking about pitchers with a lot of walks. I, I'm not saying like, oh, bail on Dylan Cease, obviously. I'm just saying perfect example of why you shouldn't read too much into any one start or really any small sample, which I think we're still in right now. It's a very long season. Again, we are not even done with the first month of a six-month season. So again, it's it's a very long season. And uh, you can find Scott at CBS Scott White on Twitter and me at Roto underscore Frank. We'll be taking all uh, apologies regarding Dylan Cease. So if you want to tweet them individually. <laughs> well, look, it's not a we'll, done we'll deal. Them. We got five more months. <laughs> but 
but the jury is still very much. I know, it was just so annoying, Scott, on opening day, like so many people. How could you call Dylan Cease a bus? And it's like, hey, man, mm-hmm. let's let's see it play out a little bit. His next five starts, he can be amazing in all of them. And maybe we'll look foolish again. But again, mm-hmm. let's just let's not count our chickens before they hatch. Last names. He, uh, last name here, Scott, Stephen Matz up against the Angels and the Tigers. What do you think? All right, let's get into two-star pitchers worth adding and streaming for next week. And uh, you have what seems like a lot of names here. Eight, seven, eight, something like that. Uh, Yeah, I do. I don't feel great about all of them, as I was just (laughs) stating before. But most of them are making two starts, eight of the ten. Sleeper pitchers for this week. Okay, so Mackenzie Gore coming off the start he just had against the Mets. Going against the Cubs at the Diamondbacks, I think that's a pretty easy call. You know, not a done deal with him either. Has been a lot of walks, but like the stuff is looking really good. Yusei Kikuchi, four of his five starts have been great. Again, reason for skepticism still because a lot of hard contact. But he's at the Red Sox, at the Pirates. <laughs> I don't know. We could. <laughs> Are those good matchups or not? I don't know. But it, there's two of them, and Kikuchi's been pretty good. So, um, Drew Smiley, great matchup. Same matchups as Hayden Wesneski at Washington versus Miami. And he's been mostly good. Including one amazing start. Uh, let's see who else. Two-star pitchers. Mason Miller. Of course, I called him a two-star pitcher last week. And here he is on the list again. That means he didn't end up having a two-star week. So hopefully he will this time. I, I think the fact that they've moved Fujinami to the bullpen and they no longer have to reserve Saturdays for him helps Miller gets the Mariners and the Royals you know pretty good matchups especially the Royals there will he go more than four innings you know I I don't think he's a must start but I think he's among the the 10 best you could do off the waiver wire Ronzi Contreras gets the Rays and the Blue Jays scary matchups yeah I don't feel great about the recommendation but I gotta fill out a list of 10 here and he's been pretty good lately Tyler Wells at Kansas City at Atlanta, kind of a mixed bag there. Domingo Herman, you know, nothing special here about the matchups, Guardians and Rays. He has a really high whiff rate, like an elite whiff rate. And so there's a chance he could deliver you a really good start or two this week. But again, we're getting pretty low on the sleeper pitchers, and it's not a high priority for me to actually use Domingo Herman. And then Hayden Wesneski, who I mentioned earlier, with the great matchups at Washington versus Miami. Only two single-star streamers, and it's Andrew Heaney going up against the Diamondbacks. Kyle Gibson at the Royals. Gibson pitched on Thursday against the Tigers. It was his second start in a row facing them, and he looked like Kyle Gibson again, which is not the good Kyle Gibson, (laughs) the bad Mm -hmm. Kyle Gibson. So um, I think he's fine, especially if you play in a deeper league and you just held on to Gibson this long. You need a streamer. At the Royals, it's obviously a really good matchup. Let's get into the hitter side of things. The best hitter matchups for next week. The Mets, Blue Jays, Brewers, Cubs, and the Royals. Worth mentioning, the Brewers have three games in Coors Field next week. And the worst hitter matchups, the Giants, Marlins, White Sox, Dodgers, and Diamondbacks. With that being said, Scott, your favorite sleeper hitters to add for week six. Yeah, so this list is... Again, not one I feel great about. It, it was it was hard to find hitters who are actually desirable off the waiver wire and who also have good matchups. So just just take these recommendations with even more of a grain of salt than usual. 
Uh, Joey Gallo is still rostered in less than 60% of leagues, amazingly. So I think he's a pretty easy choice. Only one lefty on the schedule for the Twins. Matchups are whatever. They're not especially good or bad, but he is providing plenty of power. So he's my favorite here. Uh, a couple of Brewers, you mentioned they have the third best matchups. Uh, Brian Anderson and uh, Joey Weimer, who seems to be heating up a bit. They have a series at Colorado. That's a big reason why their matchups are so favorable. And so hopefully they'll be able to take advantage of that. Harold Ramirez I have on here. Again, it's not that the Rays matchups are so good. It's just that they're not bad. And I think Harold Ramirez is somebody who deserves to be more rostered than he is with the kind of start he's off to and the quality of contact and everything else. A couple of hot bats we talked about earlier. Brandon Drury, Brent Rooker. Matchups aren't especially good, but they're not especially bad either, and they're hot. Trey Mancini, you mentioned the Cubs have the fourth best matchups, and he's shown some signs of picking it up lately. You know, I kind of liked him coming into the year. Might not be a bad time to try him out in a five outfielder league. Joey Manessas, who's gotten hot. The Nationals matchups are pretty good, seven-game week, if nothing else. And uh, deep, deep league play here is Matt Carpenter. Padres have... Only one matchup against lefties, and uh, you know he's been he's been pretty good lately, getting more extra base hits and everything. All right, let's wrap up with a few more items here, Scott. Joey Ortiz, prospect with the Orioles, getting to it a little bit late here on the podcast, but he was called up on Thursday, and if you're looking for him on CBS, he would go by joseph ortiz so Hmm, just uh formal (laughs) wanted to let everyone know that he went one for three with three rbi in his debut he's only four percent rostered has shortstop eligibility this season in the minors he was hitting 359 with five doubles two triples in 889 ops zero homers though uh last year in the minors 284 batting average 19 homers eight steals in 826 ops me personally, I don't know that there's a huge ceiling here, Scott. It kind of reminds me of a uh, Bryson Stott type offensive contributor where it's a, a good batting average and you know modest power and speed. Your thoughts on Joey Ortiz and whether or not he needs to be added anywhere. Yes, yeah, is, is he being... Is, I agree with your assessment. Um, is, like, did, I, did I miss somebody going on the IL? Who is he replacing? Uh, well... Both him and Adam Frazier were in the lineup on Thursday, so that is a good question. I'll I'll look it up while you if you have yeah, anything I'm, else. I'm not to even add sure where team. there's room for him, really, unless they're just replacing Frazier, which I don't think they do yet. Well, they moved Adam Frazier to the outfield. I know Austin Hayes has missed the past couple of days with a bruised yeah. hand. But he's he's supposed to be back soon enough. So I they may just need an extra bat for a few days, and that's the role Joey Ortiz is going to fill, or maybe he'll stick around as a utility player. But I, I agree, he probably doesn't have a lot of fantasy relevance. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at their team right now. Yeah, I think it's really just comes down to to Austin Hayes. I don't think Gunnar Henderson was in the lineup either on Thursday. He's off to a slow start. We'll we'll talk about him more coming up. Uh, hey, real quick, I just quick thought on each of these starting pitchers, Scott. Guys that went on Thursday. Um, Kyle Wright, he only threw three innings because of uh, a delay, a rain-shortened delay there, but he had six strikeouts and three shutout, and uh, both his curveball and fastball velocity up 1.5 miles per hour, so good news yep. Kyle Wright. Very encouraging. I think uh, the two-star week coming up at Miami versus Orioles. I think uh, if you've been avoiding using Wright, now's the time to 
to set it right. Get him in. All right, what's going on with Julio Arias? Two rough starts in a row going up against that buzzsaw known as the Pittsburgh <laughs> Pirates. Six earned runs over five and two-thirds innings. What stood out to me, Scott, the fly ball rate is down this year for Arias. The ground ball rate is up, and his BABIP is all the way up to 326. It's 271 for his career. So less fly balls, more ground balls. That's probably going to happen. Although, you know, two turns ago we were saying, ah, nobody, no, no pitchers have, has an unscathed, no, no pitchers gone unscathed here. None of the high end pitchers have gone unscathed except for Julio Arias. And then suddenly he has but two bad starts in a row. It, he's also had three starts in a row with two home runs allowed, which is, you know, BABIP independent. So that hasn't sure. helped things either. Uh, I, I, you know, I, th- I think I'll probably be fine. I wouldn't. No, no pit. Now almost no pitcher has gone unscathed. Yeah. George Kirby had an excellent start at the Phillies. Five innings, one run, seven strikeouts to just one walk. He has allowed two walks this season and one homer. So, look, even if he doesn't have a tremendous swinging strike rate, Scott, if George Kirby can limit the walks and home runs at that level, then he's mm-hmm. probably going to be a top 30 starting pitcher. Yeah. Regardless. I mean, that's basically how it went for him last year. I, I don't think. I don't think much has changed either in a good direction or a bad direction. I think Kirby's just kind of a, you know, solid number three starter in fantasy. And he has the upside for more, but we're not seeing evidence of him tapping into that. Logan Webb feels like he's been quite unlucky so far this season. Six and two thirds, two runs, seven strikeouts, and he's got an ERA over four. His XFIP is 2.57 because his home run to fly ball ratio is through the roof, Scott. The strikeout to walk ratio is fantastic for Logan Webb. Would you look to buy low right now? Uh, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't... He had that big strikeout game on opening day that I think may be, uh, inf- may be inflating the the strikeout numbers there a bit. So uh, I don't see... I, I don't know that I'm seeing growth here from Logan Webb, really. I, I, I see what you're saying, that, oh, he's had some bad luck so far with the home runs. Um, so I guess from that perspective, you could buy low. But I, I don't think anybody's selling him based on him having an ERA over four, you know? Yeah, that's true. Uh, Miles Michaelis easily had his best start of the season. Six and a third shutout with six strikeouts, but a peek under the hood, Scott, there's nothing that really stood out to me. Uh, how about you for Michaelis? I agree. I, I'm I'm still pretty concerned about him. This was his first good start in six chances. So, yeah, still, still pretty concerned, but there's a chance he could turn it around, sure. Shane O'Mac, Shane McClanahan. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. You know, money talks, but eh, McClanahan wasn't amazing here on Thursday. Five innings, two runs, five strikeouts, only eight swinging strikes on 73 pitches. I noticed the velocity was down in this one, Scott. Fastball down one mile per hour, slider down nearly two miles per hour. 56 degrees in Chicago, so a little chilly, but it's not like it was freezing cold. Uh, Any concern over the velocity here? Not really. I mean, it is cold by baseball standards, and we've certainly seen other pitchers uh, lose that much velocity in in that sort of weather this year. So, you know, 
Shane McClanahan, I, I was just saying nobody's unscathed anymore. Shane McClanahan is one pitcher who basically is, even with this, you know, slightly underwhelming start. I'll raise you one more pitcher, Scott, and that is Garrett Cole, who has been exactly that unscathed this season. Six and two thirds, two runs, eight strikeouts at the Rangers, two earned runs or fewer in all six starts. He's got a quality start in five of six. The ERA is down to, I, don't know, I guess it actually went up in this one. 1.11 <laughs> is the ERA for Garrett Cole. Has yep. not allowed a home run this season. Obviously, that will change at some point. But it's a very good sign considering he gave up the second most home runs of any pitcher last year. And uh, that was that was my concern coming in is would he be like he was. It, I didn't question whether he'd be one of the best fantasy pitchers, but would he be an ERA liability in that tier of pitchers within that tier of pitchers? If he's not allowing home runs, then he won't be. He the might call, be the Cy Young in the AL. We'll the see. Call to the bullpen. A few updates here for the Braves. We mentioned earlier, A.J. Minter entered the ninth with a four-run lead. He allowed five runs and took the loss. His ERA is now 8.53. For the Phillies, I assume Jose Alvarado was unavailable. He pitched on Wednesday and then Sunday before that, so maybe they just don't want to go yeah. back-to-back days with him. I mean, he did throw 22 pitches Wednesday, so maybe that was yeah. enough to steer him away. But yes, Craig Kimbrell got the save instead with in a one nothing game too. So it's not like it was, you know, it was about as high leverage as it can get for a closer. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting. I still think Alvarado is the go-to guy, Scott, but maybe it's like a 60 or 70% of the chances go to Alvarado and the rest go to Kimbrell, something like that. Yeah, I'll give Alvarado more benefit of the doubt than that even. Okay. But it's, it's you know, the, the Phillies are leaving this tiny little seed of doubt in our minds that Alvarado is just the guy. For the Cubs, Brad Boxberger pitched in the ninth with a three-run lead. He picked up his second save of the season. Michael Fulmer was used in the sixth inning of that game, and Boxberger is only 20% rostered, so if you do need saves in a deeper league, he is widely available. For the Angels, Jose Quijada entered in the eighth with a three-run lead. He gave up two runs, one of those earned, so he's kind of fallen off recently, and Carlos Estevez struck out two for his fifth save of the season. He is 50% rostered if he needs saves. For the Mets, David Robertson struck out two for his fifth save, and uh, worth mentioning that Adam Ottavino is on the paternity list, so maybe he would have factored in. Don't know for sure. And then uh, last one, for the Orioles, Felix Bautista walked three, but also struck out three for his sixth save of the season. Scott, welcome to the new to stream or not to stream. And here's what we're going to do. Uh, I've got all the names listed on the rundown. You can kind of take a peek here and see who you'd like, but basically give me two or three of your favorites. And those will be the stream, the daily streamer recommendations. I got to say Friday yeah. is pretty rough. Uh, I think it's Eduardo Rodriguez up against the Orioles. And I think that's yeah. it, honestly. Well, as much as I enjoyed saying no eight times and different, <laughs> tones different voices um yeah this might be better because this is like you know gun to your head (laughs) so i don't have to actually like these pictures but gun to your head if you had to pick three who'd you pick on friday i'm gonna say oh gosh i'm gonna say eduardo rodriguez against the orioles and that's the only one i feel really even okay about after that, I'm going to say 
If I had to choose, I think it's Rich Hill at the Nationals and Wade Miley, okay. Wade Miley versus the Angels. But yeah, good enough. I, I, I was kind of tempted by Luis Sessa at Oakland. But, <laughs> oh, oh gosh! But by relatively speaking, nobody needs yeah. to start Luis Sessa. By the way, uh, speaking of pitching in Oakland, actually, no, was it in Oakland or was it in? Actually, I think it was in Anaheim. But uh, Shohei Otani, remember earlier. Before the week started, I said, oh, you got to use Otani as a pitcher this week. <laughs> yeah, his worst start of the season, right? As soon as I tell people to use him as a pitcher. So, oh, uh, gosh. Sometimes it just it just happens that way. And he's having a good week offensively. So, um, apologies if you listen to me. On Saturday, Scott, I got all the names listed here. And the ones that stood out for me, Vince Velasquez at the Nationals, Matthew Boyd versus the Orioles, and... Mm, Edward Cabrera versus the Cubs? Yep. I I th- well, there's Dean Kramer at Detroit. You tempted by that at all? Yeah, I, I was on the fence between him and Edward Cabrera. Yeah. Garrett, I, Garrett Whitlock. I, I, think, I think Kramer's a fourth, though. I agree. Garrett Whitlock versus the Guardians? It's not nah. terrible. No? All right. I'd say no. Let's move on to Sunday. And uh, I like Josiah Gray versus the Pirates. Although, yep. look, I'm not. The Pirates are not an easy matchup. I have acknowledged that at this point. It's just Josiah Gray is also pitching pretty well right now. Kyle Bradish, I know he got rocked his last time out, but he's at the Tigers. It's a great matchup. And uh, originally, I thought Mason Miller would start on Sunday, but he doesn't. Nope. So, you want to go Logan Allen at Boston after that great debut? I'm okay I, with it. If I have to choose a third one, I guess, but the Red Sox? Are- I, I think I prefer him to Bradish, actually. Bradish kind of spooked me with his last start. The Red Sox lineup is, they're good. Oh, man. They, like, yeah, I mean, they've done some damage this year. I don't, I don't know that I agree that they're actually good. They're better than the Pirates probably in the long run. But it's a similar situation where I think they've played a little over their head so far. All right, well, you heard it there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball Today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back again next week. Bye-bye. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.